Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 8. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to the one abnormally born. Let's pray before we pass over to Justin. Lord, I thank you for today that we can all meet together online. I thank you for Easter and Easter Sunday and that you rose again so we don't need to be afraid of death. Yeah, I pray for Justin as he speaks to us and that you'll open our hearts so we can hear everything he has to say. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rebecca. Hey, I'm Dustin. It's good to be with you. Happy Easter to you. He is risen. I get to preach today on Easter. I'm just giddy. It's been a while. So you'll have to just hold on with me as I preach because my energy can be pretty high when I haven't preached in a while. It kind of builds up. So uh, glad to be with you. I want to start off with this question that you've probably been asked like maybe, you know, a thousand times over the past year. So uh, the question is this, how has COVID affected you this year? How has COVID affected you this year? And um, and maybe you've seen that uh, this question has been asked repeatedly. Let me just talk about it a little bit. But I, I wanted to maybe put it in the chat box and then we decided that's a bad idea. And so instead, I want to talk to you a little bit about how COVID has impacted me this year. Um, it was just a couple months ago, I, I woke up and I, I don't know why, but I had one of those days where I just was angry. And the thing about COVID is when you're angry and you're in lockdown, uh, you get to be with your family all day in your anger. And there's nowhere to hide. And my house is not that big. And so I, um, I got out of bed and I put on my shoes and it just felt like everything was on repeat. I'm doing the same thing I did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And I went downstairs and I got my coffee and I sat down and my wife was sitting there and she said, hey, how are you today? And she had obviously had a good morning and she was happy. And I said, I'm fine. Which as everybody knows means you're not fine. I think the Irish is, I'm grand. So so I sit down she says, "Well, well, what's going on? I said, look, I'm just surviving like everybody else through this thing, okay, Carrie? And she she kind of was taken aback a bit. She looks at me and she says, well, can I talk to you about something? I said. I said, sure, which is always dangerous, you know, if you ask the question, you know, and she says, she says, hey, you believe in Jesus, right? I said, yeah, of course I believe in Jesus. And you believe he loves you and he's for you, right? Yeah, of course I do. Well, then you don't have to just survive. You can actually 
thrive through this season. And of course, instantly I get defensive and I'm like, no, I'm like, every, we're just all trying to survive, you know, and I start pushing back. And yet that is the reality that we don't have to just survive. We can actually thrive as people who follow Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And that is what informed this topic today for us. And so let me talk a little bit in order to get at this, I want to back up and I want to talk about uh, from the very beginning. And I want us to step back into Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. The scriptures tell us that God created everything, that the earth was without form and void, but then God uh, with the Son and the Spirit together working, inner, starts to create Everything that we see and everything that we behold, God created the planets and the stars, the sun and the moon and the beauty that surrounds us, the plants and the animals and the birds. The scriptures tell us that God created everything in six days and God planted a garden, the scriptures tell us, and he made Adam and Eve and he placed them into that garden. And he told Adam and Eve, he said, look, be fruitful and multiply and um, have dominion, not in a domineering sort of way, but in a way that creates flourishing in the world. Go and live here. And everything was in perfect harmony and everything was in right relationship. Uh, Adam and Eve and perfect relationship, uh, perfect relationship with nature and with God, and everything was good. And it lasts all of three chapters, right? See, God had told Adam and Eve, he said, look, I planted a tree in the garden. It's this tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God told them, he said, look, the day that you eat of that tree, uh, you'll surely die. And so don't eat of that tree. You can eat of every other tree that's in this garden, but don't eat of that tree because death will enter into the world. And we know the story, Adam and Eve hanging around that tree. Satan comes in the form of a serpent. He tempts them. Eve takes the fruit. She eats it. And Adam then takes the fruit and eats it. And through that, sin and death enter into the world. Everything is fractured. You see, I, I think this is the best worldview that explains what I see out in, in nature and in the world. When I look out there, I have seen the beauty of sunrises and sunsets. I've seen the beauty of the cliffs of Moor. I've seen, um, I've seen such beautiful things in nature, but I've also seen and beheld the devastation in nature. The beautiful gazelle and the laws in the jaws, not the laws, the jaws of the lion. The murder, the trafficking, the devastation that's in the world. But not only that, there was also fracture because of sin and death that came into the very soul of humankind. And, and just a chapter later, we see that um, Adam and Eve have a couple of boys, Cain and Abel, and because of jealousy, uh, Cain kills Abel. That's this, there's four people in the world, and already we have death and murder in the world because sin has entered in. But I also have experienced the fracture inside of myself, that though I want to do good things and I want to live a life that's good and heroic and, and full of, of good things, I find in myself that there's a war that takes place, and I'm constantly drawn towards evil, that temptation 
gets me, that I struggle with the brokenness that's inside of my own self. And so the best worldview that I found that can explain both the beauty and the fracture, both the love that a mom has for her child and the devastation that we see in humankind is found in this narrative that God created. It was perfect, but through rebellion, sin and death entered into the world. But the story doesn't end there. You know, God was completely set apart and completely holy and righteous, infinitely valuable. And when you offend someone who's infinitely valuable, the penalty is death, infinitely. You know, to the level that someone has value, the offense is even greater. I remember a while back, uh, one of our presidents was doing a speech uh, in the United States. He wasn't in the United States, but he was doing the speech. And somebody threw a shoe at him, and that guy got arrested. Now, if somebody throws a shoe at me when I'm walking down the street, nobody cares. Nobody's going to arrest somebody. For, but because he was the president of the United States, throwing a shoe is a bad thing. And God is infinitely more valuable. And so to offend God through our sin and rebellion that has come through mankind, the penalty is far greater for that. But God could have destroyed everything right there. He could have justly punished humans and just devastated everything at that moment. But instead, because God loved his creation and because he wanted his creation to flourish and thrive and because he wanted relationship again with humanity, God had a plan that he was going to enact. And it was a plan that came through sacrifice. You see, if the penalty for sin is death, then there had to be a penalty paid by the death of somebody who could pay it. And God set up through what we call the Old Testament, the sacrificial system that took place, that pointed to um, when there's sin, death has to take place. And we see that there's an animal that gets killed on behalf of sin. And we see with the people of Israel that God had chosen, he's demonstrating to them that their guilt and their sin can only be taken away by the death of another, that that they can't pay the cost. But it wasn't ultimate because though those sins took away the guilt for a season, they had to go back every year and offer another sacrifice for the sins of their past year. But God was only foreshadowing that one day he was going to send his son, a sacrifice that was gonna be without blemish and that takes us to Jesus. Jesus arrives into the world, born of a virgin in fulfillment of a specific prophecy that took place. And he fulfilled um, prophecy after prophecy in his life. He came and lived the perfect life. And everywhere he went, he brought disruption, disruption to the darkness, the darkness uh, and the, the effects of sin, uh, blindness, death, uh, people without hearing, sickness, pain. Jesus would heal and bring healing into those environments as he went. But not only that, but he also brought disruption to the religious establishments. You see, there was uh, people who believed that they were so good that they could earn God's favor. And the scriptures tell us that we can't earn God's favor, that, um, that we can't do enough good deeds to uh, overcome the sin and offense that we have against the holy God. And so these righteous people, they begin to get proud and they begin to judge others. And Jesus shows up and begins to say, no, no, no. You are not going to be saved by what you do. Uh, you can only be saved through faith and believing in 
me, the one who will eventually take the sins of the world, which gets us to the cross. Angry, the religious elite and, and the government and people put Christ up onto a cross. And they sacrifice him between two criminals. And, um, and they kill him. And they stab him. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. And they beat him. And they hang him on this cross. He is slain for the sins of the world. And as he hangs there, eventually he gives up his last breath. But right before he does, he cries out, it is finished. Paid and full. The sin is taken care of because Jesus, the sinless one, lived the perfect life that we couldn't live and died and took the penalty of death that we deserve for our sin up on that cross. And then the end, right? No. Let me read this to you again from 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Gospel just means good news. Paul's saying, look, uh, he had come to Corinth. He had preached the gospel to them. He's reminding them again of the good news about Jesus. And he says, I want to, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. He says, look, I preached the gospel to you. Believe it. And by that, you are saved saved and here's what the gospel is verse three for what i received i passed on to you as of first importance as primary that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures now paul's going to say according to the scriptures a couple times through here and what paul is saying here is um that these things were written about long before they ever happened so when paul says that christ uh was killed for our sins that he died for our sins according to the scriptures he's probably thinking back to psalm 22 or isaiah 53 which were written hundreds of years before christ ever came into the world and so um paul is saying look there's specific prophecies that demonstrate the reality of who jesus is so he says according to the scriptures he died that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures referencing back to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy in there, chapter 6, verse 2, that the Holy One was going to rise again from the dead. And then, and that he appeared to Cephas or Peter, and then to the 12, after he came back to life, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brothers of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So what's Paul saying here? Well, um, in a court of law, if there is a crime committed, uh, what can put a nail in the coffin of the crime committed in the, the, uh, the case of being the criminal being put in prison is if you have an eyewitness. One eyewitness is strong evidence that this happened. Now, if you had two eyewitnesses, it would be even more so. Paul here is saying, look, he appeared to Peter, then he appeared to 12 more. The 12 disciples, and then he appeared to 500 people at the same time, most of whom are still alive. What he's saying to the church here at Corinth is look, you can go find these guys and talk to them. They saw the resurrected Jesus, he came back to life. It's a historical, real fact that a man came back to life. And when he came back to life, it demonstrates that he has power over sin and death and the grave. Easter happened. 
Easter happened, the resurrection happened. It's not the end of the story. When Jesus dies, he comes back to life three days later. And because of that, Easter happened, the resurrection happened, and it proves that he's God. So Easter changes everything. Let me talk a little bit about um, some of these things that we've experienced with COVID. I, I just want to come at this. You know, many of us have experienced isolation. We've experienced um, down days and, and despair. We've experienced uh, frustration with the government. We've experienced fear of maybe getting the disease or passing it on to one of our loved ones. We've experienced uh, isolation as we've been in lockdown and haven't been able to be with our friends and family. We've experienced these things, but Easter changes everything. And, and I wanna talk just about a few of these. Uh, so let's just take fear. How does Easter help us when we're afraid in response to COVID? You know, we're afraid maybe of uh, getting the disease or we're afraid that we might um, lose our job or we might not be taken care of. But here's how Easter helps us. Because when we remember Easter, we remember that God raised Jesus from the dead. Because of his great love for us, he sent his son who died for us and came back from the dead. We can trust that God loves us. And we can trust that even through the struggle and the pain of life that we might endure or might go through, that God is for us and not against us, and that we have hope in the midst of suffering. We have joy in the midst of pain. Because of Easter, we can rely and lean on a God who's there for us. And we can also know that God will provide for us. The scriptures tell us in another place, um, how could he who sent his own son not also take care of our physical needs? He gave his son for us. Why would he withheld, withhold any good thing from us? If he gave us the very valuable, most valuable, why would he withhold anything? We can count on God for our provision. And so Easter is the ultimate answer to our fear. Easter is the ultimate answer to isolation. You know, many of us have struggled with this. Maybe if you're an introvert, you're less, have struggled less with this. You're like, ah, this is great. I don't have to make excuses for not going to any meetings. But if you're an extrovert, you probably uh, have experiences and introverts too. I know uh, I'm not saying all of us need community, but, but here's how Easter addresses this isolation, this loneliness of lockdown. You see, the reality is Easter happened. And because Easter happened, the scriptures tell us we're forgiven of our sins. And when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually comes and lives inside of us, which does a couple of things. One, uh, and the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And the scriptures tell us that he lives in those who believe in him. And it does a couple of things. One, we're connected now to the Godhead. We're connected to God, the Father, and Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so we are never, ever, ever really alone. Jesus endured isolation so that we would never have to endure isolation from God. But not only that, but the Holy Spirit lives in me and it lives in the family of God, those who have professed to follow after Christ and believed in him. And so we are connected to a family that goes beyond. And even though we might be physically distant, the Holy Spirit lives in you and lives in me. And so we're part of a tribe that actually helps us not to feel isolated. Easter is the ultimate answer for our isolation. Easter is the ultimate an answer to our hopelessness. Maybe you've struggled with those down days, you know, just like I did. And the reality is that when we find ourselves 
hopeless, when we find ourselves going, God, where are you? How come you're not answering me? That we can remember that Jesus had died and it was quiet, just like that video we watched showed. But that darkness was not the end. There was light coming. That Easter was coming. That though God might be silent for the night, joy comes in the morning, the scriptures tell us. And so our hopelessness will turn to hope of a new day. And ultimately, Easter impacts us when it comes to death. The reality is that we will die, whether from COVID or something else. And Easter gives us hope that there's life after death. And we, Paul even says in one place, he says, when people die, we don't grieve as those without hope. We grieve as those with hope because we know that Jesus came back to life and that he said that if you believe in me, you also will come back to life though you die. And so even if we die, the ultimate answer is Easter. The resurrection, Jesus Christ, our Lord, coming back to life. So maybe you're here today and you're like, wow, this is kind of a crazy story. Uh, I just went over this kind of overview of the scriptures here. Um, and maybe you're like, ah, I don't really know if it's really complex and I need to hear more about it. Look, I, I want to invite you, um, if you want resources, anything, you can private message somebody in the chat box, uh, and, and Audrey actually will, will take care of you, but um, if you need any resources, we'll send you links, we'll get you what you need so that you can explore this for yourself. If you have a Bible at home or even on your phone, I would recommend the Gospel of John. It's, it's about three quarters of the way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and John does a great job of talking about Jesus and helping us understand some of the things from the Old Testament and understand who Jesus is and who God is ultimately through Jesus. Um, or maybe you're here today and you're, you're like, wow, you know, I've heard this story before, but for some reason today, it actually makes sense. Maybe today is the day that you go, I am tired of living with these things and I'm ready to turn to a God who loves me, get back in right relationship. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and that he came back to life. And because of that, I also want to come back to life when I die. And I want to live in right relationship with God. Now I want eternal life. And so maybe today's your day. And in a minute, I'm gonna pray and you can pray with me. And if that's you, you also can private message or just let us know that you made that decision to follow Jesus today. Jesus says, follow me, come follow me. Or maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, you've been following Jesus for some time. I want to remind you again, just like Paul did here, Jesus died for our sins and that he came back to life. And on those days when you start to experience some of this, because we don't live in the fullness of the resurrection yet. Not everything has been turned back to perfection, which it will happen one day, the scriptures tell us. But we live in this kind of shadow of Easter where um, we need to keep going back and remembering that God loves us and that's best demonstrated at the cross, that God is with us and that's best demonstrated at the cross and resurrection, that God is for us, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and we can know that because 
Jesus came back to, to life from the dead. Let me pray. Father, God, I thank you for this story. Jesus coming into history. Jesus coming to this earth that he created so that he could live the life that we couldn't live and pay the penalty that we deserve to pay, dying on that cross, taking our sins upon himself, satisfying the wrath and the penalty for offending you, God, and giving us his righteousness, clothing us, the scriptures tell us, in his righteousness. God, I pray for those here today who have yet to believe that. Father, I pray that you would just make it so evident and real in their life that you exist, that they would wrestle with these things and that they would come to these conclusions and that you would fill them with life. And I pray for those who are ready to take that step today. Pray that they would pray with me now. Um, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I believe you are who you said you were. I believe that you are God, that you came back to life. God, I pray that you, even now, would fill them with your spirit, that they would sense your presence, and God, that you would move in them. And God, I pray for those of us who have struggled with the different feelings and emotions and the day-by-day routine. God, I ask that as Christians, as followers of you, Lord, that we would live in light of Easter, that you would constantly be reminding us of who you are, your love for us, and your great grace for us demonstrated in the Lord, we praise you and we exalt you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.